0: We'll be reading from 1 Peter chapter 1, starting on verse 13. Oh, please read along. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you will grow up to salvation. And if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good.
1: Morning, everyone. Just before we play the video, my name is Josh. Great to see you. I'm one of the pastors here and up at Wild Street. Thank you, my lovely assistant Andy's gonna bring over some water, is there anything he can't do? What a guy. Uh, Please direct your attention to the screen, we're gonna watch a video just to get started.
2: To answer that question, we set up a hidden camera experiment to see if this woman would stand up at the sound of this tone, simply because every you might be never go along with this. You. after just three beats and without knowing why she's doing it this woman is now conforming perfectly to the group but what happens if we take the group away crowd is gone and nobody is watching her, except our hidden cameras. What do you think she'll do? Now conforming to without them even being there? How good's that? To answer that question.
1: We're not exactly sure what we're meant to do. And sometimes it's what we're meant to do. You just have no idea why you're really meant to do it. Have you ever felt like that before? Maybe you feel like that in your job. I'm here and someone's paying me, but I don't really know what I'm meant to be doing or what it really achieves. Uh, Maybe you felt like that in a relationship before, or maybe you sometimes feel like that with your kids, or maybe you feel like that at uni, that feeling of, I don't really know what I'm meant to do, and I don't really know why I'm meant to do it. I reckon that lots of us can feel like that when it comes to our faith. I'm pretty sure I'm meant to do live differently in some kind of way if I follow Jesus, but I don't exactly know what that looks like. And I don't fully get why I'm meant to do it. I wish I had a clearer picture of those things. Do you ever feel like that? This passage is going to help us get really clear on how to live as a Christian and why. And it's going to be a challenge, it's going to be a, a challenge to those of us who know lots and lots about the Christian faith, about the spiritual truths in God's Word, because it's possible to be lots and lots, but doesn't change lots and lots as our knowledge grows. Is that you? This passage is going to show us that that can never be the case. Knowing God always change if you've genuinely understood it. Uh, But that also might not be you. You might might just be someone who thinks that I know what Christians do. Christians follow the rules, right? Uh, And the reason why you follow the rules isn't that hard. It's so that you can get to heaven. That's kind of the way that religion and Christianity works. This passage is also going to show that that is completely wrong. Yes, we'll see that it matters how God's people live, but it's for a completely different and much more profound reason than you'd expect. And it's actually something that impacts you regardless of whether you have a faith or not. So how do you live as a Christian, and why do you do it? Well, in this passage, Peter gives us five commands. He sets out five to live the Christian life. And even more significantly, he gives us the profound reasons why for each one. So we're going to see the reason for why he gives each one. How do you live as a Christian, and why? Let's get stuck in. Have your Bibles open, if you don't already. Point one, live in hope. Because you have a living hope. What's the command? Have a look at 13. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope fully. See, one day Jesus will return, and when he does, everything will be revealed. His kingdom will be revealed for what it is. All things will be made right. And when that happens, people will experience... The grace that will be brought to you if you're a Christian. Uh, It's God's riches, his goodness, his blessings that are kept in heaven and waiting for you. Those things will be yours when Jesus returns. You'll get to experience it and enjoy it. You cannot imagine the wonder that awaits when Jesus returns. Peter says, set your hope on that. Orient your life completely around that hope. Look for those things, long for those things, dream of those things. See, so what are the things that you sacrifice for? What is the thing that makes you, that would make you most sad if it got taken away? Or if someone was to call you right now and you have to step out of church, what would be the worst news that that person could tell you on the phone? Let's have a quick think about it. What would be that thing for you? Because that is probably the thing that you've set your hope on. Uh, There's lots of temporary things you could set your hope on, relational happiness, financial security, having a pleasure, uh, making sure that you get to experience all the best things that are out there to experience. Um, You could set your hope on those things and orient your life around those things. But Peter says, no, no, set your hope fully on Jesus' coming and the grace that will be revealed when he does. Don't be distracted by these passing things. No, set your hope fully on heaven. How do you do that? Peter, helps you cultivate two things if you want to do it well. Have a look at verse 13. Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. If you want to set your hope fully on heaven, you need to prepare your minds and be sober-minded. It's not so much physically don't get drunk, though the Bible is very clear that drunkenness has no place in the Christian life. What he means is have a clear mind, a non-clouded mind, an alert mind that can see clearly what is going on and what really matters. A mind that's not so clouded by the distractions of the day-to-day that you forget about or get distracted from the hope that is set before you. Heaven, Jesus' return, no, be alert that you can see clearly the hope that is set before us and set and orient your life around that. Set your hope fully on the grace to be revealed. But why? Why would you do that? It's the start of that word in verse 13. Have a look at verse 13 again. Therefore, it starts. In light of the first 12 verses, he then says, Therefore. Set your hope. What did Peter say in the first twelve verses? Can you remember back to last week? It was all about living. it's all about what we have in Jesus. Verse three, salvation, inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, kept in heaven for you. It's what you have. It's who you are. You have salvation and every blessing coming to you in heaven. You've been born again. You've been made for. That is the reality for you if you're a Christian. You have a living hope, verse 3. So, live in hope, verse 13. That's the first thing for living as a Christian. You have a living hope, so live in hope. The second thing, Peter says, be holy as he is holy. You see the command in verse 14 and 15. Uh, It's got a negative side and a positive side. See if you can pick it up. Have a look down in verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Two sides don't be conformed, do be holy. Don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Uh, You know when you're at the beach and you want to make a sandcastle, it might have been a while since some of us have done that, but uh, you get a bucket of any kind of shape and you put the sand in it, and the sand, it just kind of conforms to the shape of, no matter what the shape of the bucket is, the sand kind of just conforms to the mould of that. Peter says, don't be like that. Don't be conformed to the mould. The mould of what? The passions of your former ignorance. It's the way of talking about your way of living before the cravings, the selfish ways, the lust, the desires for things that you had that were not God. Don't be conformed to those things. Now, you're to resist those things and start to do something else. The positive side of the command, be holy in all your conduct. Now, holy is a bit of a weird word that we kind of only use in the Bible. It means unique, means set apart, separate other. When I uh, first moved out of home I moved into a share house with four guys uh, and the room I moved into it it wasn't really a room, it was a loft directly attached to the living room and uh, kind of the worst part about it was that it didn't have a door. So if you were sitting on the couch watching TV you just look left and you'd see me sleeping. It was a bit weird and so I, I decided to commission something to make something holy. I took a bed sheet and I set it apart for a very special purpose. It wasn't going to be like the rest of my bedsheets. This bed, was unique and set apart for the my door. It became my holy bedsheet. That is what we're to be like. Different from the rest of the world. We're to be holy in our passions, in how we live. A separateness for God and for His purposes don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance but be holy why verse 15 but as he who called you is holy you also be holy in your conduct since it is written you shall be holy for holy be holy because I because God is Holy Verse 14, we're to be like obedient children. We're to be like our Father. God, your Father, is holy. If you're a Christian, you've been brought into His family. And so, take on the family likeness. Be holy as well. Uh, We can sometimes think that the standard of holiness that we're aiming for is, well, I'm just going to not do the obvious sins that other people can see. I'm going pretty well in holiness if I'm as holy as the people around me. But that's not the standard of holiness we're called to, is it? Be like God. Now, importantly, the command isn't become holy yourself as though you can yourself holy. The command is more specifically live out the reality of holiness that God has already brought you into. He's saved you. He's set. you. Now live out that set-apart holy life. Be who you are. What does it look like for us to be holy? Heaps of things. Peter says, in all but just a few things. Are you separate from the world in what you dream about, in the things that you long for? Uh, lots of our world dreams about having the perfect house, going on the perfect holiday, living for the weekend so you can finally do whatever pleases care about anyone else. Does what you dream about and long for reflect that you are set apart? for God and for His purposes? Are you living in holiness when it comes to your bank statement? How will our money reflect that we're set apart for God? In all your conduct, you shall be holy, for I am holy, says God. Don't be conformed, but be holy. That's the second thing. The third thing Peter wants to say about living as a Christian is live in fear because the judge has ransomed you. We'll uh, have a look at the end of verse 17. Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. We live here on earth as exiles. Rod showed us that foreigners, strangers. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Here for a short time and on our way to our true home in heaven. And Peter says that while we're here on this kind of short camping trip, where to conduct ourselves with fear in all before I, taking him seriously, not taking him lightly, not dabbling it doesn't really matter, but being clear on how holy, big and powerful our God is and responding with an appropriate fear and reverence. Why? Two reasons. First, he's the impartial judge. Have a look at verse 17 again. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds. If you're a Christian, God is your father, but he is all impartial judge. All of us will one day stand before God and be called to an account for our lives. Christians, though we'll be saved by the blood of Christ, we'll still have our deeds brought before the living God and judged. That is a terrifying prospect, isn't it? And that's exactly the point. Have a right fear and reverence for God in your conduct now, because that day is coming. When I was in primary school, I used to uh, exchange secret notes with a girl. Uh, My friend would kind of pass it on to her friend who'd pass it on to her, and then it kind of come on the chain on the way back to me, uh, it'd be things like I like you <laughs> <laughs> do you like me I'd end up uh, notes that we kind of exchanged for most of the year and I put it in a secret drawer in my room thinking no one is ever gonna find this uh, I wanted to keep it a secret from my family but one day my mom was cleaning my room and she found the stash of notes and I was horrified all of the it probably wasn't a great hiding spot it wasn't Fort Knox like that drawer and it's the same for us.
2: There is a day when draw the things
1: that no one has seen, the things that we try to keep hidden from other people, that is going to be opened and brought before the living God. So live your lives in reverent fear because all will be revealed and brought to account. The second reason is verse 18. Have a look at verse 18. Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. In the time of your exile here on earth, conduct yourselves with fear because you've been ransomed from futile and foolish living by the most precious commodity in the world, the blood of Christ. Uh, the word ransom comes from the world of slavery. It's a payment that you make to release someone from captivity. Uh, the Bible is very clear that we are all captives. Captives to sin, captives to futile and foolish living. Uh, it paints this picture that we reject God and live life on our own terms, and we can't help it. But if you're a Christian... You are someone who's been ransomed from that life. You've been bought out of that life and into relationship with God. And the payment was nothing less than the precious blood of Christ, the perfect sacrifice, the Son of God. Don't go back to living the life you were ransomed from. Don't make light of or a joke out of the precious one who ransomed you. How are you going at cultivating an appropriate fear before the God who's your judge and the one who ransomed you. Do you have an appropriate seriousness to cutting out sin and living before God? Peter says, live in fear because God is the judge and he's ransomed you. That's the third thing. Fourth thing about living the Christian life is love one another because you've been purified and reborn. Have a look at verse 22. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from the heart. Love one another earnestly from the heart. Uh, as Christians love our enemies, we're called to love other people in the world. But there's a special kind of love reserved for your brothers and sisters in Christ. An earnest love, a deep love, a strenuous love from a heart that has genuine care and concern for the other. One of the great things about our church is that this kind of stuff happens. Uh, lots of people have been cooking meals and doing grocery shops. There's other people going to ISO and loving each other in all kinds of ways. It's fantastic. But there's so much more we can do, isn't there? Do you have a deep and genuine love for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Love one another. Why? two reasons. The first reason is what you've been saved for. Have a look at verse 22 again. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. By your obedience is having submitted to the rule of the truth of the gospel. By doing that, you've purified your soul. You've been made clean. God has worthy you under the truth of the gospel. And he says that one of the reasons that that has happened is for the purpose of sincere brotherly love. Now, it's not just love for the blokes among us. It's kind of a term that's just trying to represent all Christians. We're all one. We're saved for the purpose of sincere love for each other because we're part of one family. And since that's what we've been saved for, go out and do it. Second reason is verse 23. Have a look at that, uh, verse 23. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory, like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Love one another because of the eternal nature of salvation. We've been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable seed through the eternal work. You've been made a completely new person with an eternal salvation, so love one another. Love one another from a pure heart because you've been purified and reborn. That's the fourth thing. Peter's got one more thing to tell us about living the Christian life, number five. Long for pure spiritual milk in order to grow up in salvation. Uh, when you look at it, it kind of seems like verse 1 is the main command. Verse 1 says, uh, So put away all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Uh, but really, uh, having put away all malice and deceit and so on, it's kind of the thing that we're meant to do before enduring the main command, which is verse 2. Have a look at verse 2. like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk Uh, this picture is my infant this is marley and that is her longing for milk this is pretty much our entire life at the moment when she's longing for milk there is nothing you can do to satisfy her except stop everything you're doing and give her milk you can't distract her with a toy you can't reason with her and say darling we're at the shops we're gonna be home in 10 minutes can you just Wait a little bit. It's going to be okay. No, when she longs for milk, which is pretty much always, all bets are off. She kind of goes into tunnel vision for one thing and one thing only. Peter says, be like that. Long milk. Not physical milk, but spiritual milk. The truth of God's word. Crave it. Long for it. Don't be distracted by other things. Don't be satisfied by other things. Cultivate a deep desire for the truth of God's word, crave spiritual milk. Why? Verse 2, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you've tasted it, the Lord is good. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've tasted how good God is. That's what we looked at last week. You have an incredible hope and inheritance. You've tasted the Lord is good. So keep feeding on spiritual truth. Grow up in your salvation. We want to be mature in our salvation. We want to have deep roots in our faith. So long for pure spiritual milk. Five commands, five to live out the Christian life. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you. Don't be conformed, but be holy. In the time of your exile, conduct yourself with fear. Love from the heart. And long for pure spiritual milk. Hope, holy, fear, love, and long. How are you going in these things? One of the dangers for us will be to kind of take on this information and then do this week exactly the same as you did last week. What part of the Christian life do you need to grow in and make changes in this week? Do you need to be less caught up in this world? Do you need to hold more loosely to the things of this world and work on setting your hope more fully on the hope of heaven? Or are you someone who needs to cast off the passions of your old life, the life before you knew Jesus, and grow in an area of holiness to be more like God? Or do you need to cast off your cavalier attitude towards God and cultivate an appropriate fear and reverence in your actions and attitude before him? Or are you someone who hasn't really in the Christian community? You know you've kind of been keeping everyone at a distance for whatever reason and not loving your brothers and sisters deeply. Do you need to change that? Or do you love the community but you don't really care much for the truth that shapes it? Do you need to grow in longing for the spiritual truths found in God's Word? Which one of those do you need to grow in? Probably all of them. Which one do you need to grow in the most? What's, what's one thing you could do this week to help in that space? See, to say I'm going to want to grow in my kind of hoping in heaven this week, it's kind of hard to do if you don't think about what it looks like. I'm just going to look at clouds and hope more this week. That's uh, not really going to work. I just want to give you 30 seconds just to think about w- which of those areas you want to grow in. And what's, what's one thing you'll do different this week compared to last week to grow? I was going to give you 30 seconds. you to keep thinking about that and talk to someone about it after church. He's given us five commands, but even more significantly, he's giving us five profound reasons. Did you notice what all the reasons were about? If you thought Christianity is all about following rules to be a good person, this passage has completely smashed that. The reasons are all based on the gospel. What God has already done for you, who he's already made you to be. See, we already have The command is just to live in light of it. Don't try to get it. It already belongs to you. It's been made holy and brought into God's family. Now, just be who you are. The command is live in reverent fear because you've been ransomed by the precious blood of Christ. It's love because you've already been born again through the word of God. It's long for spiritual means in the salvation that already belongs to you, do you see? Christian living is all response to the fact that we've been saved and that God has already poured out His blessings on you. It's never in order to earn those things. What a great blessing that is! If you're someone who doesn't have those things, if you don't know if you have salvation, the assurance of heaven, or that you're part of God's family the great news is that you don't have to live in a particular way to earn those things. You can have all of those things as a gift. You just have to receive it. And we're going to look at that gift more next week, so please come back. But for those who already have all those things, if you're a Christian, how do you live now and why? Live holy lives now, not because you need to get anything from God, but because you already have everything from God. Live holy lives motivated by the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that even when we deserve nothing from you, you've chosen to give us everything. Thank you for the living hope that you have kept in us, waiting for us in heaven. Thank you for saving us by the precious blood of Christ. Thanks for making us holy. Thanks for re- making us reborn by the gospel. You have done so many good things for us and we pray that we would respond in faith and obedience we pray we wouldn't be those who hear your word and remain unchanged we pray that we would set our hope fully on the good news of heaven not on the things of this world That would be holy like you our father that we would recognize you for who you truly are and live in reverent fear that we would love one another because that's what we've been saved for and that we would long for your word and for the truths that are in it, that we might grow up in our salvation. we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Anna.
0: Our God indeed is a holy God, worthy of all our praise and worship. Let us continue to work on building our lives and putting our trust in Jesus, our firm foundation.